My name is Humble Gray, and I am a Mississippi farmer. As stated, I am Humble Gray, farmer, on a 200-acre holding one and a half miles east of Truvo, Mississippi. Walking distance, if you've a mind to. It's a small town, Truvo, nary 500 souls, but each of them solid and God-fearing. Baptists, many of us, and we've a fine church where the like-minded gather on Sundays. There's a grocery, too, as well as the cable television, courtesy of the Plains Cable and Wireless Company out of Dixon. Most of us, well, most of us work with our hands, as the Bible prefers. You will note that most heroes of the Testaments, old and new, labored by the sweat of their brow while it was Pilate, the oppressor, who was consigned to a desk job. Enough said. Now, the name of my show is Farm Wisdom. Why? Well, see, there, there are many types of wisdom. There's the wisdom gleaned from books and the schoolmarm and the wisdom gained at your mama's knee. There's wisdom learned on the avenues of a bustling metropolis, the so-called street smarts. There's the quiet wisdom gained from nature. And then there's farm wisdom, education a body gains from laboring at the plow. It's a hard-earned knowledge, acquired only after long years of working the fields, sowing and reaping with the turn of the seasons. And it is my intention, through a series of broadcasts, to impart this wisdom to you via my thoughts on important issues of the day. Through said discussions, I hope to inspire you toward a cleaner, simpler life, one in which you comport yourself with a stately grace befitting any fellow who works the land, even if you yourself do not. Appears some folks think our president's weak on Russia, that he's taken such a shine to this Mr. Putin, he's now just cat's paw to a dictator. Well, this is spurious talk for Mr. Donald J. Trump, president of these United States, is no such thing, and I can prove it. Prove it with an anecdote, one that involves yours truly, Farmer Gray. And once you've heard it, you will be savvy to our president's true intent. Now, 
Our story begins pre-dawn, see, on a Thanksgiving day many years ago. And my wife Elspeth and I, well, we were young and poor, so had not the means for a store-bought feast. But this being a day of thanks, I'd no intention to leave it unobserved, and so I grabbed my browning twelve-gauge and lit out for the piney woods, intending naught but to bag a turkey for our repast. I crept along through the underbrush, setting my feet best I could engine-style to avoid startling my prey. Focus! Focus was the watchword, but, well, sir, all in moderation, for so focused, (coughs) so focused on fouling was I that I failed to perceive that I was myself being hunted. Hunted, I say, by a large and hungry black bear. So greatly, in fact, had he escaped my notice that he arose undetected behind me until I saw his shadow loom across the terrain. I turned abruptly only to meet the great arc of his heavy hair-suit paw as it swept the shotgun from my grasp. It clattered to the earth, leaving me defenseless, one hundred forty pounds of naked humanity facing three hundred pounds of heaving muscle, tooth, and claw. What to do? What to do? Well, I'll tell you just what your old farmer did. I acted as any self-respecting child of the wood. I dropped. I dropped face down, flat against earth and root, and comported myself as if the spirit had ascended from my form, leaving behind a lifeless shell. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, I played dead. Well, sir, the bear approached, and he sniffed, and he snuffled. (coughs) Oh, and he prodded his great wet nose. And if you were to ask, Did you, Brother Gray, did you move so much as a single muscle, majorum or minorum, throughout this Ursinus ordeal, the reply would be a resounding no. And well did I not, for at last friend Bear tired of his sport. Though my eyes were closed, my ears were open, and I clearly heard the behemoth turn to go. Recognizing my moment, I resumed with a lightning flash my vertical posture, grabbed my browning, and kablam, gave Mr. Bear a shotgun salute straight twixt the shoulder blades. Well, now, we didn't have a juicy turkey that Thanksgiving, but to this day... A right nice bearskin rug graces our sun parlor. And that, dear listeners, is the self-same stratagem being pursued by our great president. He may appear to be laying down before the Russian leader, 
but soon as Mr. Putin's back is turned, our 45th will leap to his feet and unload both barrels of America into the Russian bear. A sly boots. That's our president. Yes, sir. I have a letter here. Dear Farmer Gray, are you, may I ask, a married man? I, your loyal listener, recently entered into holy matrimony and would be distraught to learn that you were not subject to the same connubial bliss the Lord has visited upon me. Signed, Bald and Chained. Little Rock, Arkansas. Well, bald, I was wed to a lovely woman, Elspeth, nay, Morrison, some 44 years ago. But I am sad to say that she has been below the earth some three years now, by which I mean she has been hiding in our storm cellar for she is powerfully afraid of the North Koreans and has sequestered herself in anticipation of nuclear attack. I've tried to explain to her that our great president, Mr. Donald J. Trump, has eliminated all threat from that quarter through skilled negotiations with his new friend, Mr. Kim Jong-un. But Elspeth, she is a cautious woman, to say the least, and will not exeunt her seclusion. Stubborn, yes. Eccentric, perhaps. But despite such vagaries, I remain firmly in her thrall, for there is much to recommend, my darling. For example, so modest is my better half, she does not rouge her lips, for red, contends Elspeth, is the color of Jezebel, and I dasn't disagree. Moreover, she is no profligate, for my beloved is of Scottish extraction, and therefore so thrifty she can squeeze a penny till honest Abe cries uncle. I still recall the first time I saw her, Forty-five years ago, at the October Moon Barn Dance in Hancock County, it was quite a time there with my compatriots, Buzz Calder and Bounty Grace, for we were young bucks ready to take on the world, and take it on we did, cutting quite a figure, the three of us, as we danced one little miss after another, the Barley Reel, the Monte Carlo, the Nine Pins, the Sweets of May, even the Texas Two-Step, as I recall. We did everything, accompanied as we were by the preternatural talents of a two-man fiddle and banjo duet. Winded and parched, I availed myself of the punch bowl, and it was then, as I raised a plastic cup to my lips that I espied her across the room, a heart-shaped countenance with a defiant chin packaged in a polka-dot pinafore, 
demure in a straight-backed chair. She did not cackle like a crow as some other girls did, positioning themselves in a giddy and impenetrable phalanx, but sat quietly, placidly awaiting some young swain to ask her to dance. Well, sir, I crossed the floor, bold as you please, drawing close to this comely vision, but I did not ask her to dance. No, sir. The first words out of this young cavalier's mouth were just this. Ma'am, if you can bake a pie, I will marry you. To which she replied, I can indeed bake a pie, sir, but I nonetheless cannot marry you. And why not? asked I. You have not my daddy's blessing, replied she. Well, ma'am, says I, I will get that blessing, but first I must query you thrice. You may query, sir, says she, but be forewarned, I am incapable of perfidy and can offer only candid replies. I'd have it no other way, says I, and so I did begin. Query one, when ye were baptized, were ye fully immersed, or were ye sprinkled dainty like a non-believer? Fully immersed, sir, answered she. So much so, I aspirated water and spent two weeks in bed. Very good, says I. Query two. Are ye Arminian or Calvinist, i.e., what are your thoughts, are ye predestination? Calvinist, sir, says she, for only the Lord can ordain the disposition of one's soul. Hmm, says I, promising, very promising. And lastly, query three, are they good, those pies ye bake? Better'n some, says she, and that's a fact. Well, if I wasn't before, I was now fully convinced, post-interrogatory, that if anyone deserved to marry a farmer, the finest husband a lady could hope for, it was this gal, modest on the one hand, propitious on the other. So it was that I came a-courting young Elspeth, named Morrison, and after six months of chaperoned picnics and church socials, for the girls' folks vigilantly guarded her honor, her daddy being a deacon at Quitman County First Baptist, I won her father's blessing, and in June of 75 we were wed. She was right about that predestination, was my lovely Elspeth, for in all these blissful years it was obvious that our union was fordained. Now that I think of it, does that portend accuracy on the North Koreans? One shudders to think. Yes, sir. Play me out, Zeke.